Okay, before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that there's going to be some mentions of suicide, abuse, details of homicide. So please take care. And now, on to the show. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. So, have you ever rented a moving van? I have so much experience with this. Maybe over 10 years ago, I rented a U-Haul van and drove it from the middle of Utah all the way to California on 4th of July weekend. I love it. It's actually super fun, and I look forward uh-huh. to it just because I love being up in that van. It's way different than, like, my low-profile sedan. You know what I mean? That Just like everybody else's car. Yes. But being in that van is, like, powerful. I love being in a U-Haul. Me too. I feel a confidence that I do not normally have in my car. Yes. And also, just so you know out there, when you're in the U-Haul van itself, there Mm -hmm. are so many places to put your phone, your wallet, your soda, your water, your orange. You could have four beverages, each person, and there's a spot for them. They said nobody ever moved without a 44-ounce Big Gulp. And nope. so we have a space for that 44-ounce Big Gulp right here. I'm telling you. <laughs> and y'all know I'm a heavy hitter, so there's room in that van. I'm telling you right now, there was room for me to spread out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good to hear that you enjoy renting U-Hauls because today our story is all about U-Haul. We're going to talk about the rivalry within the U-Haul family. So good. This story has got fist fights at work. Okay, that's good. Lots of moving trucks and a murder that's featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm, this is going to be good. See, I know, I finally, I know a lot about something. Well, I think I do. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries with me, Delta Work. And with me, Kelsey Padgett. Each week, I tell Delta the true story behind an infamous or an underrated rivalry with all the dramatic and sometimes petty twists and turns. And then I'll declare the winner, but not every story has a victor. Sometimes it's just about who loses more. Delta, let me ask you, did you ever watch the show Succession? I did not see that show. Is it a new show? Yeah, it's it's a pretty recent show. It just had its last season wrap up earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay if you haven't seen that. Have you seen Arrested Development? No. Okay, well, that's a much older show. And Delta, get on your shows. Come on. I, don't really, I watch the same thing over <laughs> and over and over, the same shows. What's your go-to show? Of course, The X-Files, The Golden Girls, Charlie's Angels from the 70s and 80s. Love it. Well, you haven't seen these shows. Lots of people have those, so they'll know what I'm talking about when I say this is one of those type stories. You've got this father figure who has become very successful, and he's built this huge company and become very wealthy and then raised these very spoiled children who are coming of age to take over at the company. Mm -hmm. But who is going to take over? Will it be the oldest son? Will it be the fuck-up son? You know, that's usually the the way those stories go. Yeah. This is a real-life version of those stories, and it's about a company that is close to my heart. Mm -hmm. It's every lesbian's favorite large vehicle rental agency, Uh U-Haul. I'm not a lesbian, but I might as well be. (laughs) I just recently moved, 
and I utilized U-Haul so much. But I'm always wondering, why is it always at a muffler shop where you pick them up? I don't know. That's Those are the places. Well, you're going to find out today why it's at a muffler shop. Okay. real. Are you being serious? Yeah. Are you being yeah, serious? Really? Because yeah, I yeah. really have been wondering that. Okay. This is a good one. We have two sort of divisions in this family, two teams, if you will. Okay. And to make it easy to remember, I've named these teams. And one is Team Dad. Okay. And then one is Team Joe. Okay. And we'll get into who falls into what team. Before we get there, let's talk a little bit about how U-Haul became this huge moving truck renting machine. So the idea for renting out trucks goes back to this one guy. His name is Lawrence Samuel Schoen, but everybody calls him L.S. for short. So that's what we'll call him throughout L.S. So it's 1945. L.S. is discharged from the Navy, and he's coming back to his family. He had been stationed in L.A., but he's like, let's move. I want us to go to Washington. So he's going to move his little family up to Washington, which is quite the trip up the coast, right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever driven to Washington from L.A.? I bet not. No, but I've driven through the Snoqualmie Pass of Washington in a rental oh. car without a navigation system in a snowstorm. <laughs> and no. it was something. And I literally yeah. drove into uh, where <laughs> Twin Peaks was filmed. That made it even oh better. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow, so that's wow, wow. A, that, I've, that little bit. I've had that. <laughs> well, great. All right. So we're moving from L.A. to Washington. But it's 1945. Okay. No one has invented U-Haul yet. There are moving trucks. There are moving services. So you employ a moving company to take all your stuff for you up to wherever you're going and you meet it there. But the only people who can afford that are rich people. What didn't exist was a one-way truck rental or trailer rental, meaning you could rent it in L.A. and then return it somewhere in Washington. That did not exist. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. If you weren't wealthy enough to have movers, what you would do is you would sell all of your furniture, sell like most of what you owned, and then tie what you could to your car and pack up the car as tight as possible and then drive to the new place. Dang. That's brutal. (laughs) Right? Imagine having to do that every time you've moved, like, more than an hour away. Wow. I would not own anything. Yeah. So Ellis is doing this, selling off his stuff, getting ready to move up to Washington. He's like, this sucks. What if I could rent a truck here and then return it in Washington? Wouldn't that just make everything great? Why hasn't somebody done that? And he decides, well, you know what? I'm going to do it. This is a great idea. Let's make it happen. And so the next year he's living in Washington and he starts out not with full-on trucks or vans, but with Mm -hmm. trailers, Trailers that you could attach to your car okay, and put your your stuff in. And he, at first, he physically makes the trailers. He learns how to weld and he gets, like, parts of old cars and, like, makes these trailers that you can uh, hook onto the back of cars. Now, how is he going to get these places where you could return them? He's not, like, a, you know, a super rich man. He's not going to buy a bunch of U-Haul locations and open these, like, stores What he does is he goes to gas stations. He goes to service stations um, because back then most gas stations were also like a mechanic shop. And so he goes to all these places, service stations, and he says, hey, I noticed you've got some extra parking here. Can I put a trailer here 
and have people rent it out and return it to here as well. And for you being the hub for that, you'll get a little cut of the rental fee each time a trailer leaves or comes back to you. That makes perfect sense. I was always curious as to how it would then move to like a muffler shop. That's right. Still today, like there are a lot of actual U-Haul locations, but there are still a lot of like muffler shops where there's like three U-Hauls and you go on the internet and you're like, what what am I doing here? Oh, there's the U-Haul I'm renting today, you know? So Ellis has come up with this great idea. He makes these trailers. He goes all up and down the West Coast visiting with service stations and being like, hey, do this deal with me and it won't be too hard for you and you'll get a share of these profits and you're going to love it. And, you know, his nickname was Slick because he had this charm, this ability to make deals. People loved him. And he was like a workaholic, so he was traveling all the time to do this. Um, He actually missed the birth of his first three kids because he was on the road. Wow. Which is wild to me. I could see missing one, but you missed three children's births? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a workaholic right there. And he was like, you know, a very businessman, businessman. He, like, coined phrases He had this one called E times KH equals R, which is energy times know-how equals results. That's too much. That's too much. (laughs) It's too much math or too much cheesiness and business acumen. I wanted to roll (laughs) off the tongue. You know what I mean? True. So within two years of starting this business, he's got trailers all up and down the West Coast. So he started the business in 1946. By 1955, there's 10,000 U-Haul trailers on the road. Wow. And soon, they're not just doing trailers. By 1960, they start renting out vans and trucks as well. So by 1966, L.S. is a very rich man, and he has this army of children. He has 11 kids. Dang, he needs to try sleeping. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of kids, right? Woo. Well, he really wanted U-Haul to be a family business. He wanted this to be his legacy. Mm -hmm. So he would get the kids involved with the company as early as possible. And, you know, of course, he lavished them with the wealth that the business had brought. He moves them all to Phoenix, Arizona, and he buys this architecturally famous house. It's a house that was designed and built by Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay. And later on in the 60s, L.S. buys a theme park. So they're theme park rich. Yeah, that's rude, Rich. (laughs) That's ruined the ocean, Rich. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, when the teens got to be old enough, they would get company cars and credit cards. And another thing he was always doing is he was always gifting little bits of stock to the kids, of the Mm. company stock. He wanted to make sure that they had a stake in the business, like if something happened to him, that they would own the business, right? Right. And all of this is something that he's going to come to regret later on. Mm, I would think I would want to be part of that family business because it sounds to me like you don't even really have to go to school or do anything. You're already in it. Exactly. And so Ellis assumed his kids would run the business with him when they become adults. So his oldest son is named Sam. Mm -hmm. And Sam completely let him down. Sam became a doctor. Oh, no. Can you imagine? (laughs) You lousy Sam. You had to go be a doctor. (laughs) You piece of shit. You were going to fail me. (laughs) So we're going to fast forward a little bit to 1973. U-Haul's facing some hard times that could jeopardize the future of the company. There are two main threats on the horizon. 
They're facing lawsuits about the safety or lack thereof of their trailers. And the other thing is that there's an oil crisis happening, and that's causing a lot of service stations to be shut down. And if you remember, that's where U-Haul rents its vehicles and trailers out of are those service stations. So less service station means less revenue for U-Haul. So LS decides what he needs to do to save the business is to bring his kids in. And by kids, I mean his sons, because sexism. In fact, he already had one son working closely with him, his son Joe, who had gone and gotten a business degree because he wanted to work at U-Haul. But for LS, he thought the only way we're going to turn things around is to get Sam back in here, Sam the doctor. So LS is calling Sam being like, come home, come to the company, stop being a doctor, do what's (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> this is really the start of the rivalry within the family. There was something sexy about that. Stop being a doctor. <laughs> there was something breathy and shouldery about that just oh, now. Oh, stop it. Stop doctoring, Sam. Stop Come home. Stop doctor. <laughs> it was like Blanche so, Devereaux or something. And I don't know what you just did. You just channeled something. I, something I did, different for you. So this is how we end up with our teams. We've got Sam and his dad, L.S. We call them Team Dad over here. Uh And on the other side, we get Joe. Uh And from my perspective, it feels like Joe really wants to become the successor of his father, right? He's like a true believer in U-Haul and the business that his dad started. Some people even called him like a a zealot of U-Haul. Okay. Amongst the family, everybody's like, Joe wants to run the business. Every night he goes to sleep. That's all he thinks about. All of his dreams are about running the company. And that's why Joe went to Harvard, got an MBA, so he could come home and be his dad's protege, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really weird that his dad, instead of, like, letting him do it, calls up Sam, right? Yeah. The doctor who's off doing his own shit, right? Why would he do this? When did dad all of a sudden think, like, I need to completely flip the script on my son who kind of was always there for me? Well, a lot of this story comes from this book called Birthright. Murder, Greed, and Power in the U-Haul Family Dynasty. In that book, the main source is the dad. It's L.S. Okay. So that's what I'm going to tell you may be very heavily weighted towards L.S. and, Mm -hmm. and his side of the story. Joe didn't ever talk to the writer. In fact, he sued the writer of the book. So we don't really know how objective it is. But anyway, I'm going to tell you from the perspective of that book, here's why the dad did not want Joe to be in charge. He said that Joe would yell and curse at employees all the time, fire people on a whim, that he was really stuck up about his degree because, you know, his dad didn't have a business degree. He just founded a successful business, right? And he was just, like, not good to get along with. Um, And even at times, allegedly, Joe got violent with people. Mm. Unless just saw these behaviors over time just sort of gather. And so by the mid-'70s, when he's picking a son that he would rather be in charge. He's like, Joe has done this. He's done that. And so the dad is just like, Joe is not ready for this job. Maybe when he gets a little bit older, maybe I could teach him, but he cannot be the guy in charge of the company. So he's not saying, Joe, never speak to me again, but he is saying, I want Sam to be the guy in charge. So here's L.S. saying, oh, you're too mercurial, you're too eccentric, you're too, you're not calm enough. But you know what? You know who's not calm? The dad, Mm -hmm. L.S. One time in 1970, he was pissed off about how the company was wasting money. He's like, why are you redoing your office with new carpet? 
we need to buckle down here. How dare this person do that and that? So he calls in a bunch of employees to his, his office. He has the security come and lock the doors. Okay. <laughs> and he, he takes everybody out in the balcony. And these are like his high up employees. And he pulls out of his pocket a huge wad of cash. It's $1,000. Okay. And he gives this little speech about wasting money. And then he takes the $1,000 in cash and throws it off the balcony. Oh, my gosh. Where it flitters down in Phoenix 5 p.m. traffic. And, like, all these cars are, like, stopping and, like, almost causing a wreck to get out of their car and get the $100 bill or the $20 bill that just fell on them. And, you know, L.S. was proud of this moment. He told this story as, like, aren't I an excellent boss and a great business thinker? Well, I mean, you're talking about wasting money. Seems like what people with a lot of money would do. So rich people. Yeah. So this is the dynamics we've got here when Sam comes back to the business and he's not, like, jockeying to be the heir. It doesn't seem that he, like, cares that much about the power and the position. He's just like, my dad wants me here and I'm having a good time working for the company, so that's okay. So at this point, we're in the early 70s. Sam has just come back to work for U-Haul. Joe's not, like, super excited about that, but they're they're pretty much getting along at first. Sam and Joe actually shared a house together during this time, a house that their dad had bought down the street from the U-Haul HQ. And they would walk home together after work, which I think is just so mm-hmm. cute and nice. <laughs> um, the brothers were 23 and 28. Sam was 28. Joe was 23. So, you know, they're still relatively young, but... Sam is learning business stuff from Joe. He's like, I'm a doctor guy. I don't know any of this stuff. So, you know, he quizzes him and asks him, like, how does this work and how does that work? But at a certain point in these walks home, the conversations start to have a more, like, fearful and dire tone. Joe's saying that the company is going bankrupt, Mm. that LS is making decisions that are not good and that things are going downhill. And... Sam's like, oh, shit, oh, this is not good. Oh, God. And he asks his dad about it. He's like, Joe says the company's going bankrupt. Is this true? And his dad's like, no, Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. Big Harvard boy. He doesn't know. And and uh, Sam's like, okay, okay. And eventually he gets so concerned, he goes and he looks at the financials. And he goes through all the financials. And he confirmed that what Joe is saying is not true, that the company is not going bankrupt, And that Joe is, like, either exaggerating or trying to get Sam on his side to push out the father. Right. To push out the dad and be like, he's making bad decisions. He's getting older. Maybe we don't need him anymore. Hmm. You know. He's trying to poison the water a little bit, Joe is. So this is the point where things are never again good between these brothers. You got Joe over here trying to become the heir, nobody letting him. (laughs) Right. Dad, L.S., and Sam over on the other side trying to sort of stay with the status quo in the business and keep the business running. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a pretty toxic environment, right? Right. (laughs) They got fights over the direction of the company, how to deal with the board, how to manage, who to fire, And the teams start to solidify. Remember, there are 11 kids. Some of them think Joe's the right man for the job, right? And some of them think Sam is the right man for the job. So they start to align themselves with one brother or the other. Now, this dynamic is brewing for a long time. Because remember, 
the sort of bringing Sam in happens in in the early 70s. Uh-huh. But we're going to go now to 1986, where everything is about to boil over. Okay. And somebody is going to get burned. And I'll tell you all about it after this break. Okay. 1986, you turn on the radio, you might hear Party All the Time, the one hit Eddie Murphy had. Yeah. You might hear How Will I Know by Whitney Houston. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Or how about you go to the movies? What could you see in 1986? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mmm, good. So good. Pretty in Pink. My favorite movie ever. Pretty in Pink's your favorite movie ever? Ever, 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 ever. Across the board, ever. Wow. All right, so this is 1986. Here we are. By this point, U-Haul is, you know, a, a, a huge brand. Everybody knows U-Haul, right? Everybody's renting a U-Haul on the weekend to, to move their kid to college or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> in the 80s, they were doing great. 1984, they had like $42 million in profits. Jesus. But then by 1986, the year that this stuff is about to happen in, it's declining. They go down to $9.2 million oh, in profits. Wow. Right, which is like a significant drop, right? Huge drop. Why is this? Well, LS, being a businessman, is like, we got to keep the company growing. We don't want to just stagnate. What We got to diversify. Let's rent out other stuff. Okay. Some of the things make a lot of sense. So they, they started renting out RVs. I feel mm. like that's like a similar vibe. Yeah. Canoes. You know, to go with your RV. Okay. <laughs> Jet skis. Wow, they're really changing it up. Party supplies. Like chairs. Yeah, chairs and tables and, you know, banners. and That seems like a fully different direction, but okay. Yeah. And even paint sprayers. If you are, like, going to paint a car, I guess. Huh. But my favorite thing that they did is that they started renting out VHS tapes. No, they did not. <laughs> no. They had their own version of Blockbuster, and it was called, well, you give me a guess. What do you think their video rental stores were called? <laughs> U, UVCR or something. <laughs> I like that. I like that. No, they were called Hollywood, spelled H-A-U-L-L-Y. Oh, goodbye. Waka, waka. <laughs> Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> I like it, though. They have, like, a VHS player that they'll rent you out that's just, like, completely orange and has, like, the U-Haul logo on it. Uh-huh. And the jet skis, like, have the U-Haul logo all over it. It's, like, very cute stuff. Well, anyway. Right. Hollywood video rentals. Wow. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, you can see these as bold moves to grow a business or... Stupid fads that you should not fall for and right. stick to what you're good at. Renting vans and trailers. People are always going to need to move. So Joe and, you know, the siblings that were on his team, Team Joe, they they were like, these are bad business decisions. This is why things are not going so well for us. But LS was still the boss. So, you know, we got to do what he says. LS and Sam were making these decisions. But do you remember LS's fatal error? That he made early on in this story. His fatal error. He had given away, at this point. Oh, all the shares. All the shares to the kids. All the shares. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And they're all divided up. Yes. 
And oh, so, no. So LS by himself only has 2% of the shares. Stop it. Yeah. That's nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's something if you're just a nobody and you're like, oh, that's right. enough for me to buy a house. Right. Sure. But his 11 kids have like no. the rest of the 90% of the stock. And most of them don't give a shit. Right. They're ready to cash in. <laughs> this had always been okay in the past because the kids were minors. And so LS right. voted for them, right? Or they just do what their dad said, you know? Right. We're a family. And that's right. what we're, we're going to stay. Yeah. Nope. But now at this point, they're starting to say, dad's ideas are bad. And you got Joe over here who's really hates Sam and LS and is like, come on, we got, we can't be doing this anymore. We got to save the company. You know, so he started going to all the siblings being like, dad's old. The company is killing him. We got to unburden him from this. He's making bad decisions. This is a quote from the book. To too many of his children, LS was Mr. Magoo. The nearly blind, bungling old man, saved from great failure time and again by fate and luck. Mm. So they just really thought, he's not up to snuff. Right. So Joe was able to collect up enough siblings and their shares to commit patricide in the boardroom and oust their father from the business he had started. And what do you think that means? Like, if they get rid of him, like, he's obviously not homeless. Like, he's still going to have money and probably a lot of it, just not a stake. Right, exactly. So, LS sees this coming, actually. He's like, oh, no, we don't have the votes. Me and Sam don't have the votes. Oh, fuck. And right. he actually, like, two days, three days before the the board meeting where they were going to oust him, LS says, I'm going to retire. We'll make it look like it's my idea. And just need one compromise from you, which is that you keep Sam on at the business and he stays CEO for 10 years. Mm. And Joe's like, okay, fine, fine. He can be quote unquote CEO, but I'm going to be the real guy in charge because I'm going to be the chairman of the board. And so Sam can be around, but we're not really going to listen to him. But okay. You know, LS and Sam are pretty much beat. They don't have the votes, so they have to take that compromise. <laughs> LS throws himself a retirement party, and it's really sad. And he said, the only gift I want from you kids for my retirement is that you love one another. Oh, God. Knock it off. When people say Miss America, things like that, it blows my mind. I have people yes. that will come to my show, and I'll say... <laughs> I'll do like a birthday segment where I'm like, hey, is anybody celebrating a birthday, an anniversary, yeah. something that's important to you? If it's important to you, it's important to me and let's do a shot. And, da, 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 da. and there's inevitably this person that's class clown that'll be like, I'm celebrating life. I want to do, I'm celebrating life, man. Life is good. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. And how I walked into that, right? So then I'm like, well, did something, tr did you almost get hit by a car today and then you didn't? <laughs> so you really are treasuring like this uh -huh. moment. Do you have a cancer scare or something? Exactly. And then that's uh -huh. when you're like, perfect. This is really celebratory. This is wonderful. But no, yeah. it's just, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, are you serious? Well, that's, this is, this is kind of like that, right? Because it is like LS that. is just being like, well, my children hate me and are forcing me to leave the company that I founded and that made them rich. So love one another, please. They don't love each other. They don't love you, <laughs> they don't dude. Love each other. They named his retirement party a celebration of love. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> 
No. Yeah. One of the kids was like, we were all supposed to hug each other and act like nothing horrible had just happened. But uh, Press yeah. your body against mine. So much we love each other. <laughs> yeah. Love one another did not happen, obviously. In fact, things got so bad at U-Haul headquarters because, you know, Sam is on as CEO, right? And mm-hmm. Joe is there as, as chairman of the board. And everything Sam does, Joe is like, no. It gets so bad that they actually get into a physical fight. Oh, my God. At the office. <laughs> Who whooped whose ass? Well, so again, what this is according to this book, right? Oh, it was Sam. <laughs> so, according to the book, Sam is minding his business in the office when Joe and Mark. Mark is one of the siblings, and he's kind of uh, Joe's little sidekick. So, mm-hmm. Joe and Mark come into Sam's office, and they close the door behind him. And they just start yelling at Sam about what, I don't know, it didn't detail it. Probably some boring business thing that they disagreed on. Anyway, at some point, Sam stands up and says, you want to fight? And Mark says, okay. And then Sam comes and and says, then let's get it on. And they start fighting right there in the office. It turns on Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. (laughs) And then the, the rivalry takes a whole... Other direction. I just think that this story cannot be true because no one has ever said that. Let's get it on. Well, and nobody's like, put up your dukes. <laughs> yeah, come on. Get over here. Okay, so the fight begins. Who do you think's winning? I mean, the only person that put a book out there is dad's side. And <laughs> yeah. if you can yes. if you can control the narrative. You are the person who's winning. You can control the story of the fight. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's how it seems to me a bit. You're right. Sam's winning. He's doing Mm -hmm. so well, you know, until Joe jumps him from behind, holds Sam down, and has Mark kick him in the head. Not a fair fight. I don't don't like fights like that. No, not a fair fight at all. Mm -mm. Again, this is according to Sam and his dad, right? So, Mm -hmm. mm. an employee heard the commotion and came and broke up the fight. And apparently Sam was seen leaving the office by a bunch of employees with, like, a bloody torn T-shirt. Joe and Mark deny that this is how this happened. In fact, they say that Sam sucker-punched one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. He did it. You want to (laughs) fight? I'm going to give you the what for, see? See? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Sam says, that's enough. I can't take it anymore. I am leaving the company Joe, you win. You and your team, fine. Me and dad, we're going over here. We're just going to go off here and just, you know, enjoy our money. But in order to enjoy your money, you know, because a lot of money is in the stock of the company, right? So they need to sell their stocks to have the most amount of money and to be totally done with U-Haul forever, not have to come in and vote on on things. But here's the thing. So even, like... Number-wise, all I remember was a low point of n- somewhere around nine or nine and a half million dollars. It was a yearly profit, but they right. uh, the company is worth billions at this point, I believe. Yeah. So even if you were like a, a brother or sister who had like one or two shares, I don't know how much money that is because I know nothing about the stock market <laughs> or the, yeah. uh, when you cash it in, you take a penalty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's got to be at least, I don't know. somewhere, like, for at least one of the kids? We're talking each kid, I think it's at least a million, if not. Okay, so, I mean, just take my thing, give me my million, 
Uh-huh. I'm out of here with the insanity, <laughs> with the fighting. I don't want to say so. I didn't deserve any of this to begin with. I was just born in here. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. my dad probably doesn't even like me anyway. Doesn't even know my name. <laughs> Let me just go buy a little house over here in the corner of nowhere and never talk to me again. And there's so many kids who I'm like, who, who are they? Right. So we've got Team Joe over here with a few siblings. You know, you've got Mark. Uh, and they they had enough siblings on their side to vote out the dad, right? hmm And then you got Team Dad, which has dear old Sam and a couple of other siblings. And Team Dad is the team of kids who are trying to get out of the business. They're like, we don't want anything else to do with this. Joe, you and your cronies, you win. Let us out. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Get out of here. Now, Joe says, no, you can't leave. If you leave, if you sell your stock, then other people, strangers, will have control of the company. Oh, well. They will have more stock. (laughs) Oh, well. And this will no longer be a family company. So in order to stop them from selling the stocks, Joe does a sneaky thing. He issues new stocks to people who are loyal to him, which dilute the power of Team Dad's stocks. Mm. So now they have less than half of the stocks, and they cannot vote to leave to be able to sell their stock. So basically, Joe has this iron fist. And so Team Dad is like, what? We, now we have to be involved in U-Haul. We, we wanted to be done with it. And so, of course, Team Dad sues U-Haul for this, and they sue Joe. And you remember how you said, okay, the dad is no longer part of the company. LS, he's been kicked out, right? Right. Well, he had this lifetime employment agreement, which means he was getting a salary for doing nothing mm-hmm. from the company. And, like, everybody was fine with that. But Joe, he's, like, pissed off that Team Dad wanted to sell their (laughs) stock, and now they're suing him. He's like, fuck this. You're fired for insubordination. You will no longer draw a salary. Wow. There's just—there's a way around everything. Exactly. It's a lifetime employment agreement. Doesn't that mean something? I started this company. Right. And then also Joe and U-Haul, they sue Sam, saying that when he worked there, he— intentionally damaged the company's credit, which seems to me to be petty. I don't know what that's based on. So it's like pew, 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 lawsuits going back and forth. Everybody's just Mm -hmm. firing off different rounds of of lawsuits. But we're not even to the wildest part of this rivalry yet. The wildest part? (laughs) The whole thing's fucking a mess. (laughs) Well, it's about to get a whole lot messier because murder enters the family feud. Now that's after the break. Okay, so we've had a coup of the family business. We've had a physical fight in the office. Now lawsuits are being thrown left and right. What worse could happen for this little family business? Well, how about murder? Oh, you're calling in the feds. (laughs) On August 6th, 1990, Sam's wife is found dead. Oh, damn. The police quickly decide that this death is no accident. It was a murder. Now, who in the world would want to kill Sam's wife, Ava Schoen, a 44-year-old Norwegian expat who had been married to Sam for 12 years, 
was a mother to two children. Who wants to kill this lady? Why? Wait. Wait, is it actually Sam? (gasps) Well, that's the thing. The police, they say, okay, we're, we're looking into this. Who always does it in a crime? Always the husband. It's always the husband or somebody that's extremely close. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So they start looking at Sam. Sam was out of town on business when his wife was killed. That doesn't matter. I think, and I think the police thought, that actually makes him more suspicious. Absolutely, because you can bribe anybody to do anything. Exactly. He's a rich man. He's not going to kill his wife himself. Are you kidding me? He's going to hire somebody for that. You know, and it's always the husband. In the U.S., 55% of all homicides are intimate partner violence related, meaning it would be your ex or your current spouse or your spouse's new lover. You know, it's those people who know you the closest and have loved you. So the police are looking very closely at Sam and they're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. But also they're like, okay, did Ava have any enemies? Well, no. Ava was like a real cool lady who seemed to like to hike and go skiing and things like that. In fact, they lived in Telluride, which is a skiing community in Colorado. So like Mm -hmm. she was just living her life. She had no involvement with anybody nasty. But of course, Sam has some involvement, some entanglement with his brother Joe and U-Haul. Mm-hmm. And they're in these huge, vicious lawsuits. And so the cops are like, all right, let's look at Team Joe. Maybe it's them. Maybe they hired somebody. Now, the actual murder case, like, you know, they come and they look for for clues. And it's, it's pretty mysterious. It was like a single gunshot wound to her back. And it's a pretty hard-to-solve case. But you know who thinks they've solved it? Old Daddy U-Haul himself, L.S., He says, I know who's responsible. Mm -hmm. It's got to be either Joe or Mark, my two sons. That he hates so much. Yes. He says they're either directly or indirectly responsible, which I think is a very funny phrase. (laughs) But what he means is that they either actually hired somebody to do it, did it themselves, or that they had created such a toxic environment that one of their employees did it to, like, curry favor with them or something. Okay. The cops come to U-Haul in Arizona, and one of the detectives says that Joe flies into a rage when they show up and is, like, so angry and that their interrogation sort of goes nowhere because Joe kicks them out pretty fast, has security escort them out of the building. But before that happens, one of the cops asks Mark, um, who, remember, is Joe's little sidekick, says to Mark, why would anyone kill Ava? Do you have any idea why anyone would do this? And Mark says, I don't know, shit happens. Oh, okay. That sounds like a logical <laughs> thing to say to people. Yeah, what do you think of that? Would you say that if somebody was asking you about a relative of yours who'd been murdered? I mean, you can't even fake it a little more than that. Like, oh, what a horrible situation. There's just so many variables. I mean, you could even make it a little shadier than that. That just sounds like almost an admission. Or like a, I don't care. Yeah. So the cops are a little a little flummoxed. They don't really know what to do. And LS is like, I understand that this is going to be a difficult investigation. Here's $50,000 to the cops. Mm. And the cops are advised against taking this because it might appear that they are being bribed by LS to look into U-Haul and to not look into Sam, right? Yeah, that's what that that's what that is. That's 
<laughs> the definition of a bribe, I believe, I'm thinking. Exactly. <laughs> but the police take the money anyway. And they're like, we'll live with it. It's $50,000. We want that. <laughs> wow. And this is in the 90s. This is like not that long ago in the big grand scheme of things. Absolutely. So um, the police, they quickly move on from suspecting Sam. They're like, oh, his alibi is solid. And they focus in on Joe and U-Haul and Mark. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Joe, being a man of means himself, hires his own private investigators to investigate Sam. And it's scary to me how their wealth is like insulating them from justice, right? Like yeah. a woman has died, right. has been murdered. She had children. And here they are with all their money being like, oh, well, this is my justice system now. The cops work for me. Right. So LS continues to publicly accuse his sons. Mark says he's so hurt by this. He says, even the parents of Jeffrey Dahmer maintained their son's innocence. And here's my dad saying that I killed my brother's wife. The cops are stuck. They can't find a motive for why Sam would have done it. They see that he's got an alibi. And, you know, the investigators that Joe hires, they can't figure out why Sam would have done it. The cops can't find any connection to U-Haul either. They're like, there's no connection to Joe. And there's nothing leading to Mark. There's no reason that any of these people would have done it. So the case, I don't think it technically goes cold, but about three years pass with no solution until Unsolved Mysteries does an episode on the case. It was November 5th, 1990. <laughs> well, the episode of Unsolved Mysteries airs about this. And, you know, on Unsolved Mysteries, because the mysteries are unsolved— they say, if you know anything about this crime, please call, blah, 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 blah. Somebody calls. This guy, he says, my brother-in-law told me that he murdered this woman in Telluride. So the cops are like, ooh. Now, it's not anyone related to the U-Haul family. This oh, is just okay. a random person. Okay. Who says, my brother-in-law told me that he did this crime. Now, this man's name is Frank Marquis. He had been convicted of burglary and sexual assault, had served 10 years in prison. And so the cops are like, okay, let's record your next conversation with him. And so the conversation happens where uh, he says, oh, they're airing that show again, that episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Are you sure they can't trace nothing back to you? To which Frank Marquis says, absolutely. And the brother is like, sure, you sure? Nothing, right? Frank Marquis is like, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. Which is not a confession. No. But it's enough for the cops to look harder at Frank Marquis, right? So they bring him in. And while in holding, you know, when they hold you in the jail cell, he does the craziest thing. <laughs> he hoards up a bunch of mustard packets that they had handed them out with, like, the jail sandwiches. Uh-huh. And he puts them in his hair. <laughs> DNA was, like, a newish thing at this time. Uh-huh. And Frank Marquis had heard that if you put mustard in your hair, they couldn't get DNA off your hair. Or, like, they couldn't identify your hair strands. Or, like, if they ran it against, you know, your hair that they had found somewhere else, it wouldn't come back conclusive. So he's just opening the packets and putting them in his hair. And putting them in his hair. And he's dead-ass serious about this. Like, <laughs> well, first of all, what's your fear about the DNA? Exactly. That's pretty incriminating, right? Yeah. 
to be like, I'm here destroying evidence, basically. <laughs> they actually hold Frank Marquis, and he does not confess until one year passes, <laughs> and they finally crack him. And he says, yes, I did this. I went to Telluride to rob some houses. I didn't think anybody was home at this house. I went in there, and then she was in the bedroom, and she got up, and she tried to fight me, and I pushed her. And as I pushed her, she turned, and the gun went off. Oh, well, the gun did not go off. It went off because you pulled the trigger. Yeah. He was like, I would only come there to rob the place. So I thought about calling 911. I thought about killing myself, but instead I just ran away. Okay. And he never implicates anybody. I think he went in to, to commit a, a robbery just based on yeah. this information. Yeah. And probably yeah. did kill the person. I don't think there's another storyline where he did it on behalf of, of someone. Yeah. But yeah. maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm only hearing 30 seconds of the crime. <laughs> well, I think that what you're saying is probably the most logical thing. But Sam and LS, they don't believe it. Mm. They said... This guy was either not involved and is just lying now because he's being paid off by U-Haul, or he was hired to do it to ruin Sam's life, or he was hired by Team Joe to kill Sam, and Sam just didn't happen to be there that day. Okay. Because apparently the reason he was out of town was like an unexpected sort of trip. Um. Or the last thing is like maybe he was supposed to frame Sam. For the murder of his wife. And how would that police payoff be involved in any of this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. There's that. Yeah. So, Frank Markey, he does plead guilty to first degree manslaughter. Right. He's sentenced to 24 years in prison. Sam and LS still don't believe it. They still want the case reopened. But, you know, you remember all of the um, lawsuits that were happening? Yeah. Um, so by 1995, uh, LS and Sam, they win against Joe. And they, the court says, Joe should not have blocked you from selling your stocks. Remember all that? Mm-hmm. And so they said, you, LS and Sam and the folks that were on Team Dad, you're going to get paid $1.5 billion dollars by U-Haul. Wow. Now, that was later reduced to $461.8 million, but still, that's wild. That's a lot of money. I can't even fathom how much money that is. Now, this causes U-Haul to go into bankruptcy, mm -hmm. and Joe also to personally go into bankruptcy, which is a little tragic, but apparently both Joe and U-Haul bounce back from that bankruptcy. When you're really rich, bankruptcy doesn't mean... You're totally out of money. Right. But Team Dad winning the lawsuit and Joe bouncing back from bankruptcy aren't really enough to save this family from an unhappy ending. You know, everybody walked away losing something. And L.S., his life sort of falls apart after the lawsuit. And in 1999, at 83 years old, he dies of an apparent suicide. So this is like a Greek tragedy or Shakespearean play. Nobody ends up happy. Okay, so Delta, who wins this battle? Team Joe or is it Team Dad? For me, it's Team Dad. I mean, I, I know that he was uh, insane and honestly probably lying in this whole narrative, but he's controlling <laughs> the narrative to the very yeah. bitter end, even when he throws his properties and his uh, money into the middle of this Monopoly pot. He's still controlling it. So I say Dad, Big Daddy right. LS is the winner. <laughs> Daddy LS. 
I feel bad mostly for the other family members that were kind of like, you know, we really didn't want to do any of this. Like, we didn't right. want to be part of either team. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any part in this. Well, we're stuck over here. Yeah, how about we sell our stocks and then we're good? <laughs> and then they're like, no, you're going to yeah. be even more involved now. Well, uh, let me tell you one more complicating factor to our story, which is that Joe is still in charge today. And he's one of the wealthiest men in America. He's worth an estimated $4.1 billion. Wow. Yeah. And Mark wow. is still at the company and some other siblings are still at the company. And now the kids of these siblings are starting to take on roles at the company. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so if you go to like About Us, U-Haul, you'll see little things about we're a family company and we were started by our dad and mom and now um, our kids are coming into the business and, you know, they got like YouTube videos featuring like Joe's sons and stuff. So that makes me wonder that if in a new few years, are we going to have another round of succession drama at U-Haul? Oh, I think so. And we'll be here to talk about it. I mean, why, why not? I mean. <laughs> exactly. Right. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries, hosted by me, Delta Work. And me, Kelsey Paget. I also produce the show. Gabriella Santana is our associate producer. The show is edited by Megan Dietrich and Tiffany Walker. Tiffany Walker is our managing producer. Our production coordinators are Tamika Balance Kolosny and Taylor Sniffin. Our theme music is by Allison Layton Brown. John Scott is our engineer. Our executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Megan Dietrich. TJ Raphael was our development producer. 